game time. You're listening to the House League Heroes podcast with your hosts, Riley Barton and Tanner Chuby. Follow the guys on Instagram at underscore Riley Barton underscore and Tanner C-H-U-B-E-Y. Welcome back to the second ever episode of the House League Heroes podcast. My name is Riley Barton. I'm once again joined by hopefully my friend by now. We we got an episode under our belt. We're doing good. We're there. Perfect. Um, we don't need a long intro this time, but I'm going to update everyone on the situation in fantasy. Tanner is very, very narrowly down to his opponent right now. He has one player left playing who gets a point and basically wins him and brings him to the finals. So Tanner's going to be a little on edge for most of this episode. I think there's five minutes left in the game right now. And uh, yeah, so we'll keep you updated on that as things go on. If you wonder why I care so much too for people that are listening, I was thirteen and zero throughout this season. I I'm pulling a Tampa Bay Lightning, which is kind of ironic because that's the one player I have left, Mikhail Sergachev. So I'm pretty scared. I'm pretty pissed off. I left a lot of points on the bench this week, uh, and I would have beat the two other people in the other semifinal. And uh, Sergachev, please come through. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least you made it past the first round, unlike Tampa. Um, you are in the semifinal, so that's a good good note. That's true. Riley, we had a big night in the NHL last night. There were 15 games, so 30 teams were playing. One, I believe the only one sitting was the Jets, if I'm right. I'm just going to go guess on that one. Yeah. But, but there were some huge games with some big implications. We'll start in the north. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens were down 2-0 to the Ottawa Senators. Came back to win it 3-2 in overtime. Cole Caulfield with his first career NHL goal. But I think you have to give a big shout-out to Jeff Petrie for that incredible play he made. Like, just danced. Like, that was incredible. Just perfect spot, too, for him to be able to just tap it in. If you ask anyone, uh, I'm a big Caulfield fan. I've loved him since the draft. I'm so mad that Montreal got him. I'm mad that he dropped because of his size because I've— I feel like we've gotten past that point now where size should be a factor in the draft, right? <laughs> like I think it's been proven now that that doesn't matter. So I think they got a real steal with him, and I'm happy to see that he, he's got his first goal already. There's something about that kid, man. Like He just has this like elite aura about him. He walks into a room, and he just commands it. I don't know what it is. Like Even at the juniors this year, he was just an absolute beast. And I, I watched him when he was playing for Team USA, and I said, this kid's already got the shot to be yes. in an NHL league. I remember when I was, he got drafted, and they were showing his highlights and his shots. That was, I was like, this kid's got an absolute bomb. Yeah, the biggest comparison people are comparing him to is Debrinkit, and like you said, the the size, I mean, Debrinkit's shorter than me. He's like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, yeah, exactly. and he's scored 40 goals in the best league in the world. So I don't get why it's still an issue. I don't get why teams still let players drop because of that and Montreal is going to be uh, benefiting from it for years because that kid's going to be a stud. Exactly. A uh, quick update on your lightning game. The lightning have three players in the penalty box right now with five minutes left. <laughs> um, <laughs> they just, Oh my God. So Good luck. Uh, but yeah, moving on. Shurgachev's <laughs> going for a shorty. He's probably in the box to be honest, but Oh, well, are you, are you for real? That was like yesterday too. They got shut out by Detroit. I was like, what are you guys doing? I get Detroit's, you know, been better this year. 
but come on like help me out a little bit it's funny though there's i saw a post on instagram the red wings have already surpassed their win total from last year they like they were awful last season like record bad i felt bad for them at that point like it was just so bad that crazy turnaround i mean i think that's a positive sign for red wings fans for sure um and maybe maybe they come back in this game is it still 2-1 maybe they can beat the lightning again it's a five on three um they i think are gonna pull bernier in a minute here or we're thinking about it from what i can see so you know what detroit just put me out of my misery and score just (laughs) just ended um another big play game with some big implications in the Canadian division maybe not so much especially the fact that the Habs won but the Calgary Flames losing to the Edmonton Oilers once again this year yep they do love to do that you know Mike Smith has just been something else this year I don't know what it is with him he has these weird bursts where he's just so good and I don't know why he just goes back to 2012, that 2012 run every, like, second year. Takes a year off and then comes back. Well, it really hurts because, like, watching the Flames uh, two seasons ago when Smith was the only reason we were, they did any good in the playoffs and they just mm-hmm. let him down all year. Like, well, he, he didn't play great that whole season. He was all right, and then in the playoffs was the only player the Flames had. That was the season that the Avs beat the flames in five right in the first round yeah that was destroyed the city (laughs) he was the (laughs) he was he's the only guy that showed up man smith like no one everyone on that team was obsolete you couldn't find them but i think that pretty well sets the canadian division in stone in terms of playoffs i think the only thing that's really still up for grabs is who gets home or away between edmonton and winnipeg and winnipeg is really starting to slide so i think that's going to the oilers Playoff time is right around the corner, and it's looking like a Leafs-Habs first round, Jets-Oilers. Uh, what series out of the two are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I want to say Toronto-Habs, but I just think Toronto's still too dominant for the Habs to really put up a fight against them right now. Maybe Cole can help a bit, but I really don't think he'll be enough of an impact. Um, so I think I'm looking forward more to the Winnipeg-Edmonton series. They... I would have taken Edmonton two weeks, uh, sorry, Winnipeg two weeks ago over everything, but the way they've been playing recently, I think Edmonton actually has a real shot now at making it past the first round. See, when we do our brackets for, because we're going to be doing a, a bracket episode, I imagine, yeah. for for this podcast, I really don't know if I want to choose the least because they've given me no reason over the past decade to ever have faith in them. Exactly, and that's that's the thing. I know they just pulled it back together, which is good. They are starting to win again, but they they were getting dangerously close to just butchering the last half of the season, which is the worst time to start doing bad. And we saw that. We see that with teams every year. When you lose momentum at the end of the season, it's bad. Yeah, it, that reminds me of the Hawks in, in 2017. Everyone was kind of shocked when, when Nashville swept them. And I remember leading into that series, the Hawks lost 10 games in a row. Yeah. <laughs> they they didn't win a game going into the playoffs. I was like, why is this surprising to people? They've been playing like this for two weeks now. Like this shouldn't be a shock. Yeah, it's all about it's a big part of its timing. I mean, last year too, right before the stoppage, the Islanders had won like two out of eleven games. 
And they were looking like they might not even make the playoffs. And then, you know, the stoppage happens. They have the bubble in the summer. And what do you know? They take Tampa to six games in the conference finals. So it does show you about getting hot at the right time. That's usually the biggest factor. And it'll be interesting to see if the Leafs can finally get her done or if the Jets can rebound. It's going to be Canadian division is going to be fun in the playoffs. Yeah, it's. The first round is like the the Canadian division is what I'm most excited for out of all the divisions, just to see what what ends up happening. Another team that fell out of contention, who we were raving about last week, the Van your Vancouver Canucks, Riley. Yeah, I, uh, I expected it, but I mean, it's tough when you're without uh, Pedersen. I mean, that doesn't make it easy when you're without your number one center, but they just. Those games again, freaking Ottawa. They just like to Ottawa, play spoiler to everyone. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like they just do not let up on any team. They were looking like they were going to beat the Habs again yesterday, and then you know they came back obviously. But and then the Leafs, I think, kind of lived up to their potential and kind of beat the crap out of the Canucks like they should have. Um, as as a Canucks fan, like, what do you kind of say with this season? You've got some money coming off the books this summer, I believe. You know, Edler's contracts up, Sutter's contracts up. Um, you know, what do you kind of hope for in the summer? What do you expect or looking forward to next season for this team? Um, the team's still so young to me, right? And I'm not expecting an immediate impact. I'm just hoping we can make the right signings. We have to sign PD soon. We have to sign Hughes soon. We have to sign. Um, Hoaglander and then Pulse and like we have all these years of signing these guys that are going to be coming up Demko who just took a good deal like it's all just back to back for the next decade basically so I just hope we make good signings um <laughs> hopefully we get a good draft pick this year my I'm praying we get Luke Hughes I'm praying we get Luke that would that'd be, be cool that would be, that'd be awesome yeah that would be nice but that's basically all I can hope for right now is that we get the a high draft pick and we get our team back together for next year to start actually building off of each other with a full roster. Pedersen and Hughes kind of had down years this year. I mean, Pedersen had some injuries. He was battling. Hughes was just kind of awful in his own end. He was terrible. Does that, you know, does that kind of affect how much you think they're going to make this summer? Or do you think they're probably going in what they were going in to ask for at the start of the season? I said this early because I knew PD, I could already tell he was going to have an off year. This is the best time for the GM to for PD to be playing like this because he doesn't have much bargaining now, right? Especially with an injury taking him out for this long. They can probably get that money down quite a bit. And Hughes, he, he kind of proved himself the first year, right? He had a great rookie season, but that's it. That's all he's had now. So it's not like, like there's lots of players like Sam Bennett had a great rookie season with the Flames and then didn't do anything. It's a good time for them to not play well. Does this almost smell like a bridge deal type situation? You know, kind of what Line did with Winnipeg, except different scenarios. Line just didn't really want to play there, but signed because he really had no other choice. Um, but kind of just to almost like prove it contracts for Pedersen and Hughes. Like, no, we are this good. Yeah. You know, give us a year or two. I, I could definitely see that happening for Hughes. I don't know about PD. I still think they'll sign PD as long term as they can. Um but you never know. Like I thought they were going to do the same with Bess, and then Besser got signed to kind of a bridge deal thing. So you never know. But you brought up 
making good free agent signings this year. That's not something that's really in Jim Benning's vocabulary. He just loves throwing over $3 million at any third or fourth liner um, on the market. Um, if you're the Canucks management, uh, he's been under a microscope this year. Why do you not move Jim Benning to like head of scouting and look for someone else to be your GM? I don't even know if he would be good as a head scout because it sounds like our head scout is the one that's been saving his ass all year anyways. So throughout these years because that's that's been the biggest savior for the Canucks is they just keep finding yeah, these exactly. unreal young guys in the draft and they just remain, you know, as a promising team because they you just hear about this next rookie every year that's going to come in. So moving now to the the Central Division, this is the probably biggest matchup of the night was Nashville and Dallas with just within points of each other in the Central Division. It was 0-0, absolute snooze fest. <laughs> Um, like Dallas and Nashville are yes. awful, boring teams. Oh, they're just, they're so boring to watch. Everyone was ragging on the Islanders last year in the bubble. There's that one there's game like with Dallas technique to it though, right? <laughs> oh, there is. It's, it's like, it's impressive to watch. I like defensive hockey and, you know, credit to Dallas too, but there was one game with Dallas and Vegas last year in the bubble just killed me. I turned it off after the first, I was like, I won't make it through three periods of this no way yeah it gets really hard to watch sometimes um but they it's zero zero they go to overtime eric holla gets a huge goal for nashville extending their lead by three points in that division uh the stars still have a game in hand over the preds but um only five games left for dallas four left for nashville do you who do you think who do you think grabs that last spot because it's between those two teams and it's gonna be so close nashville I think loses first round no matter what if they make it right Dallas has still has proven in the last few years that they can play in the playoffs and sometimes that's all you need right you see it with mm. teams like the the Blues they got the playoffs and then we're a completely different team and that's kind of how Dallas is so I want Dallas to make it but I don't know if they're going to be able to they've just been they haven't been playing enough good enough well Sagan's been skating I it, I doubt he's back the regular season. I don't think they're going to rush him, but he'd obviously be back for playoffs, I'd imagine. Yeah. But they've had some they've had a guy fill in like that Jason Robertson. There's talks he's going to win the Calder this year now, and I did not even hear about this. I knew who he was. I'd seen him play, but in terms of a Calder conversation, that's really just skyrocketed since I'd say probably mid March. He's been killing it for that team. I remember I heard about him at the beginning of the year because he did make some plays that people were talking about, but I, then all of a sudden he was just, I saw the the Calder rankings and he was way up there. I haven't watched him, so I can't really say much about it, but. I think Dallas is one of those sneaky teams too. I agree with you. Nashville's going nowhere. I I get why they didn't sell at the deadline. They were getting hot and I that sends a really bad message to your team. Oh, you're playing well. Let's just get rid of everyone. And, you know, I think would maybe disgruntle some players, but I they're not going anywhere. I think they just would have been safer to sell off some assets, kind of rebuild around well, Yossi yeah, or Soros. Forsberg. Soros has been playing nuts this year. He's really mm -hmm. like, stepped up. I think Rene did a great job coaching him um, and bringing him in. I think they played that goaltending situation really well because you see that a lot where they try to rush or they don't put him in soon enough, and I think they did it perfectly, and I think Soros is really ready to take this position from Rene. Which is what they need because I think Rene, ever since that 17th playoff run to the final, 
just hasn't been really the same. I mean, I guess they did win the presidents the next year, but how big of a a piece was he contributed to that? Obviously, he did well, but yeah, um, he hasn't been the same since. So interesting push. It looks like whoever that is is playing either the Hurricanes or Panthers, which is not going to be an easy battle for either of those teams. Moving over now, we got the. West Division, the Golden Knights have kind of taken a big lead on it. The Avs still have a game in hand, but are four points behind. Three teams have locked a playoff spot, the Golden Knights, the Avs, and the Wild. Um, And it's still up between the Blues and Coyotes. Now the Coyotes only have four games left. The Blues have seven. I think that's pretty safe to say it's going to go in favor of the Blues. But do you, the Blues... It's funny they shouldn't be struggling as much as they are. Do you think they could be a, a team for that like upset, surprise upset in the playoffs in the first round? Oh, I don't know. I feel like like I've watched a lot of the Blues games this year. Um, it's not like they've been playing awful. I feel like the teams in that division are just they they've been playing well against the Blues. Like last night, the Minnesota game was crazy. Minnesota pulled it together and I scored with twenty eight seconds left to tie it, bring it to overtime, and then. Fiala made a great play to score the overtime winner. So it's really tough to say that they would get upset in the playoffs. I think they're still that team that can that can win. Like you you view it as if they beat the Golden Knights, it wouldn't be super surprising, essentially. I I, I don't know if I would want to say that, but I think they I don't doubt that they could do it. Mm-hmm. They could bring it to seven. I think it would go to seven almost either way. And finally, the East Division, the Penguins hold the top spot. The Caps and Islanders uh, close behind, all within at least four points. All have clinched. The last one's still up for grabs. The Rangers are six, or sorry, eight points back behind the Bruins. I think that one's pretty well locked up for the Bees as well. There's a lot of talk. I saw an article on Twitter. Um, I didn't read it, unfortunately, but it talked about that they're maybe thinking of changing the, the playoff format after in 22-23. Obviously, this year was tough just because of COVID. They had to, you know, adjust for the pandemic rules and travel restrictions and all that stuff. But the NHL is hurting because the Rangers are a good team. Like, they're a top 16 team in the league right now. And the fact that they're not making the playoffs is hurting the league because they're, they're worth the most of the NHL. They make so much money. They're worth the most. And I think they really, I get the NHL wants to promote these rivalries and divisions. You know, you got the Atlantic Toronto and Montreal or Toronto Boston, whatever battle of Alberta. But I think with the wildcard system, you're really, the league's just hurting themselves, not having these big teams make it when they're better than other teams in another conference. Like there was an example a few years ago when the divisions were back to what they usually were, the Metro Pacific, all that stuff. And the Montreal Canadiens had 98 points that season and missed the playoffs by a point. They would have made it over, I think, four or five teams in the West. That's and that hurt. That hurts the NHL. That loses the money. That, right? Like, it's so annoying as a fan when your team plays that well and then other teams are getting rewarded. Like, I understand why, but it's, it is very hard to watch. I get the all the travel scenarios and problems in terms of the postseason, right? You want to save money there, but if you're the NHL, for me, why don't you do one through sixteen? Not even just one to eight in the conference. Do one through sixteen. Get some different matchups in there. You could have 
an all East final or an all Canadian final and all LA final, right? Why, why are we limiting ourselves to the same matchups over and over again and screwing over these teams? It's hard to see why, but also you got to know how picky hockey fans are with changing stuff. It's always a big deal when the league changes something. So with that, you know, there's going to be a lot of old time fans that don't like the change. So they got to risk that as well. But I, I do well, think the positives outweigh the negatives. Well, here, here's my thing. I, I get you want to keep the old time fans. They're a big part of your viewership. But guess what? The biggest thing about survival is growing and adapting. And you need to get a younger audience in this sport because it's not there. They're, they're not growing the sport. Well, I don't know. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I think it would solve a lot of problems in terms of team like that Canadians one is just ridiculous 98 points and they don't make it they, <laughs> that's insane oh no the game finished 2 to 1 and uh, as the points stand right now you did lose to Noah we don't know if points will be updated before the end of the day to change it but right now it looks like you will be going off against Mark in the semifinals Knowing Mark too, he had a down week this week. He's just gonna kill me this week. <laughs> I can see it happening right now. He's gonna, who does he have? He's got like Marner. He'll probably get five goals one night. Yeah, he's got he's got a real team. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. That's great. I can't wait. <laughs> it's funny because he he I played him in week two. And I dominated him. Like that was the best week I had all year or something. Mm-hmm. I had I had his projected points by like Thursday. It was just it wasn't even close, but yeah. uh, whatever. It was a it was a good season. I screwed myself leaving some people on the bench, but that happens. Uh for some big news for American TV deals, the NHL is now going to be the main broadcast partner with ESPN. And the secondary partner is going to be TNT. And I don't know if you saw before the Shaq clip of them asking him his NHL knowledge. They displayed a graphic. I don't know if you've seen this. It was of Alex Ovechkin. Sure, all well and good on TNT. And Edmonton Oilers captain, not Connor McDavid. They put Andrew Ferentz. Like, it's tough. How do you mess that up? Like, you got to have one guy that knows something about hockey, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not as big as in Canada, but you're gonna tell me <laughs> like not one guy could have picked that out and made made that mistake. Yeah, there was something I wanted to talk about that I was talking about with uh, Tate, one of the kids in our fantasy, one of my buddies. It, we were just we laughed about this. There was a fan poll on the top ten most overrated forwards in the NHL. Oh boy, and this might be the worst list I've ever seen in my entire life. There's okay. maybe two players on this list that I agree with, maybe. So we'll go from 10 down. 10th most overrated player, they have Kyle Connor, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the league. Yeah, <laughs> I think you got that one backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, we have Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, what is he, the fifth most scoring player of all time? Yeah. Must be garbage. Number eight, we have Patrick Laine, which is one of the only ones I can maybe agree with, because I, I don't yeah. Um Yeah. Number seven, we have Austin Matthews. You can't make that argument this year. Guy is torching. Absolutely (laughs) lighting it up. Terrible division or not, he is on another level right now. It's impressive. Um, For sixth place, we have Blake Wheeler. I can I can agree with that one. I I think maybe see that, but I don't. You don't hear that much about Blake Wheeler, do you? 
he's just he's one of those wingers that he's good in the offensive end, but he sucks at defense. I'm not a big analytics guy, but you look at his analytical numbers, they're not very good. <laughs> and then at five, we have Taylor Hall, who I could see arguments for maybe for the past yeah. few years for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth, we have Mark Shifley. Definitely not going to agree with that. Mm-hmm. He's just been too consistent, right? Like mm-hmm. This one, maybe the last few years, John Tavares at number three. Yeah, I can agree with that. I still don't understand why Toronto signed him, at least for that much money. Yeah, that's going to be one of their biggest downfalls in the next few years if they don't win something. Yeah, they had they had Matthews and Kadri. I mean, you had your number one guy. Um, at second place, we have Leon Dreisaitl. I don't know what I mean, your thoughts on that are. I mean... He obviously does better with Connor, but I think he, I'm sure he'd do fine on his own. I don't think you score 110 points in a shortened season and are an overrated player. I think you're very, you're pretty good. And then we have, as voted by the fans, the first most overrated player in the Can I guess who it is? Go for it. Is it Patrick Kane? Patrick Kane. (laughs) I've seen that on another post somewhere and it drove me nuts hilarious i don't know who voted on that list <laughs> i'd love to know what makes him overrated because he doesn't play defense well guess what he's not paid to play defense yeah, guys he's paid to score uh, i don't know i think they may have to go back to the drawing board with that one but i guess, their opinions i guess everyone's yeah, entitled yeah, to them but <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up because i i figured patrick kane would be number one on there there was some some tough news for some teams around the league. Uh, for we'll stick on Chicago, I guess, because we were talking about Kane. Andrew Shaw announced retirement. Now he hasn't really played lots. Uh, he played a few games at the start of the season. I think it was trending in that direction, retiring from concussion issues, which good for him. He should be taking his health as the number one priority first. But but uh, still, sad news. He was a big he was a big piece to Chicago in those cup runs and. Uh, I know he'll be missed by a lot of Hawks fans. Ehlers is out for the season in Winnipeg, which I it's clearly being seen that it's affecting them. And so a bit of a happier note, sad this guy never won the cup because he was an incredible goaltender, but Ryan Miller retiring. Uh, Ryan Miller is, he. I think he has one of my top three favorite saves of all time, that save against Boston, the three-on-one where, where they come in on the triangle and he stops it with the pedal of his mm-hmm. stick. That is one of my most favorite saves. Like I dreamed of making that save. As a- <laughs> Riley was hoping for three-on-ones in his hockey games. It's like, guys, I got this. Sometimes, man, I if you knew anything about my minor hockey league career, it was very, it happened way too often. So, you know, I, I had a lot of dreaming to make the saves. <laughs> oh, my God. Your defenseman probably did it on purpose, though. They knew it. They did. They, it was, they didn't make it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we... I can't remember if I had this conversation with you or Tony, but when players get older, you kind of forget how good they are. It's almost like that you never know what you had until it was gone because, you know, they get older, they get worse. Maybe the money isn't... They aren't worth the money they were once were. Yeah. Ryan Miller was unstoppable, especially on a very mediocre Sabres team. Like imagine where those teams would have been without him. And I feel like that's a trend with Buffalo. It was like that when Hasek was there and that <laughs> they're just getting bailed out by goalies and look what happens when they're not anymore. So yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of, I wanted to talk about this. I don't know why I have this written down, but goalies uh, Swayman on 
uh, Jeremy Swayson, Swayman on Boston. Uh, this guy. <laughs> Leave it to Boston to get another good goaltender that looks like he's probably going to be their starter in a few years because he's at, I think he's won six games or something like that, and he has got a 942 save percentage through like seven or eight games. It's stupid how good he's playing. Yeah, well, we talked about this in the last podcast. Boston just always does it right. They just always do it right, and it's not that much of a surprise. It's just like, well, they did it again. I just... I, funny thing is, I like Boston. I don't even hate them. I, that may be tough hearing as a Canucks fan, but I just there's just something about them that I enjoy. I don't know. I don't know if it's the way they play. I love their. I love Bergeron and Pat. I love Marchand too. I just like all their players, and I love the hate Marchand gets. I just I gravitate towards players that are hated because they just piss people off, and it makes me so happy. Well. Yeah, like, I can't say that I don't like when players do that because, like, I love Kachuk, right? And he mm-hmm. basically re-sparked the Battle of Alberta. And mm-hmm. it's been so fun to watch those games the past few years, and that's only because of him and Cassian starting stuff. It was so boring before then. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw a stat here on Instagram I wanted to bring up as well. Um, this is from a few days ago, about a week ago almost now, so this has changed a little bit. But Oilers, with McDavid on the ice... Are plus eighty-eight, so yeah, five on five. I did see that. Without McDavid, minus one eighty-three. Yep. How that Hart Trophy should never, ever, ever be anyone else's. I can't ever. You can obviously bring people up in contention, but you can't actually make a full argument to why he shouldn't be the one getting it. No, that team without him would collapse. As good as Drysaddle is, they'd collapse. Drysaddle doesn't like he can't carry that team by himself. No. McDavid no way. He can barely carry that team by himself. <laughs> he's get he's probably getting tired of it here. He needs yeah. a he needs a series win at least. Yeah, he needs some like form of hope. Just something to show him that he can actually win something with this team. It seems like the moment the Oilers take a step forward, they take two back and sometimes it's not even all by their doing. Like last year at the deadline, they were looking good. They were a top team in the Pacific. The shortened season hurt them, but like they traded for Anthony CU and Mike Green. And then Mike Green ended up retiring. Never ended up playing for them. Anthony CU, I think, played in the bubble for them. He but he got injured and then they were bounced before they didn't even technically qualify for the playoffs. And then Anthony CU went to LA, you know. And then Oilers, they're they're looking starting to do good again this year. Ethan Bears looked all right. And then Oscar Clefbaum's career is hanging in the balance. No one knows if he's actually going to come back and play. Well, that was also, like, Athanasiu last year, he was playing great for them. He was, like, I picked him up in fantasy last year, and he was lighting it up for me. I was like, thank God I got this guy end of the week injured. I was like, oh, okay, never mind. He's done for the year. So that's great. And they, they've just had that luck with them forever. It's an interesting landscape in the NHL. Is there anything else that you particularly wanted to, uh, to discuss? No, I've basically ranted about all my depression with my teams so far at the end of the season. I'm just ready to watch some playoff hockey and sit back and not be stressed over any of my teams winning it. <laughs> I know, that's the be- that's the only good thing about your team not making it, is you can actually enjoy the games you watch because yeah, you don't have to root. You're like, yeah, I-, I want them to win tonight, why not? Let's let's go with the teams that are in, say, the playoff started today. I think everything's pretty well set in stone. Who is the team you're probably going to root for then to to win this year? 
Um, it's just kind of the same as the last few years. <laughs> um, the Islanders. My dad's a big Islanders fan, so I've always cheered for them. I really don't see much not to like the team. They're they're. I know they're not fun to watch, but Barzell is a fun player to watch, and they they have the team that I think can do it. So, I all I was rooting for the Islanders very hard last year. I'm a big Isles fan. I really loved when. Tavares left and his return game and all the chance they did. Beautiful. I know some people hate them for that, but oh my god, what a scene. That's like maybe some people think differently. I know they do, but that's what hockey should be. Yes. Like it's it's fun, right? Like <laughs> like and you know, I love how Toronto made a Tavares day because of that. Like he's a He's a grown man. He left the team. Like, just live with your decision. Like, you knew they were. You knew this was gonna happen. Yeah, Islanders fans are passionate. Was. You knew it was gonna happen. Exactly. So I was rooting for them hard last year. I'd be. I'd be overjoyed if they won this year. This. This one. The team I'm rooting for the hardest might piss some people off, though. I really want Crosby to get number four. See. Like, I don't really have much. I didn't love when Pittsburgh was on their dynasty because I'm like, I just want to watch another team win. That was nice, but it's been a break now. He's almost, he's close to being done. I know he's still got definitely a few more years in him, but the team doesn't. So if they win this year, it wouldn't be terrible for me. I just, I think people are kind of forgetting with how young the league's getting. You have McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews now, all these young centers and forwards that are taking over. I think people are kind of, Forgetting how good Crosby was and still is because he is incredible. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's the media that makes him a bit more quiet because he's been quiet these last few years. But like, he's been the same. He really hasn't changed. He's just not the focal point of the league right now. Yeah, and he's done it on generally a cap strap team that is still somehow finding ways to win. Like the Pittsburgh Penguins have turned Cody CC into a serviceable defenseman, which I never thought I would be saying. <laughs> Yeah, I think their biggest thing is just uh, consistent goaltending right now going into the playoffs. And then, who knows, they could have a real shot. Well, Riley, we are weeks away from the playoffs. I cannot wait for playoff hockey. Sucks it's going to be two years in a row without packed packed stands because I was watching uh, electrifying playoff goals a few weeks ago, and it just is doesn't hit the same, but it's going to be good. Playoff hockey's here. And uh, that's that's about all I've got for today, unless you have something else you want to chat about. Nope, that's all good for me. All righty. Well, that was episode two of the House League Heroes podcast, Riley and Tanner. Signing off, uh, we ended your week off last time. We're going to be starting it off this time. Let's see how this works out. And have a good week, everybody, and stay safe with COVID and everything. It's been getting bad, especially in Alberta. They've got cases going up the wazoo there, don't they? Yeah. My town got exempt from the rule changes, but uh, it's it's getting worse. So, yeah, yeah. definitely be safe. Um, we're almost out of this. It's so close. We're almost done. You can almost taste it. Think about it, Riley. We'll be going to games in the Dome next year. I can feel it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Take care, everybody. Bye.